Thank you for joining us and welcome back Beyond the Bandwagon. I am Elias and with me today, as always, is Kyla. What's up? We have a ton to get to today. We continue our preview of the 2020 season, which is inching ever closer. We've already covered our likes and dislikes for the fantasy season. We also talked about the biggest names that are playing for new teams. So check out our two previous episodes. Yep. However, today... Today, we are doing sleepers, breakout, rookies, and guys who have the potential to bust your fantasy draft. (laughs) Then after that, something that's near and dear to my heart, season predictions. Oh, yeah. Where we talk about our Super Bowl favorites, just have a little fun with that. You know, Kyla, people love a good list. People love a good, (laughs) you know, prediction (laughs) section of of anything. Top 10 lists. I don't know. How dare you choose the Godfather over Citizen Kane? You know, these, uh, <laughs> these sort of things. People just like to get angry at your at your predictions, at, at your list. It's fun. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I know you do love the season predictions. So <laughs> I, I'm going along with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait till we get to that portion, honestly. It's just, it's so much fun. <laughs> all right. So, you know, we're getting closer to fantasy drafts. All of you out there only have about one more week to complete your drafts opening night is right around the corner. We're going to start with sleepers. Kyla, get us started. Who is your first sleeper for the 2020 fantasy season? My first sleeper, this might come as a surprise, Marvin Jones, the wide receiver for Detroit. Now, with Marvin Jones, there is some injury risk here, but with where you can get him, I think that makes up for that. You aren't drafting him as your wide receiver one or two, but he could return you wide receiver to value if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford is back this year, and he likes to air out the ball. And in eight games last season with Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones finished with 42 receptions on 55 targets for 535 yards and six touchdowns. That's pretty good, I mean, in half the season. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't have the same production this year. Kenny Galladay is a bigger deep threat, but Marvin can make plays in the middle of the field and be a security blanket for Matthew Stafford. Um, He's also a big red zone target, so he has a lot of touchdown upside, and I think his floor is high. He averaged 14.9 fantasy points per game last season, which is very solid, and you can get him in the eighth round. Yeah, it seems like he was... He he was definitely a starter before Stafford got hurt last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fantasy starter. Uh, he was on pace for 84 catches and over 1,000 yards, like you said. So obviously tons of value with where you can draft him as well. Yeah. Um, my first guy for sleepers is a wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson. Johnson uh, should be the number two option behind Juju Smith-Schuster. He came on strong at the end of last season with 23 catches for 257 yards and two TDs over the team's final four games. And that's with bad QB plays. We talked about last week, there was a guy (laughs) named Duck and Mason Rudolph. So going to get better this year with Big Ben back. If you extrapolate that out, the uh, 23 catches and 257 yards that I was just talking about, uh, that's better than 90 catches and 1,000 yards for a season. He should be more comfortable in the the offense now that he's not a rookie. He's currently sitting at number 39 in the ESPN receiver ranking, so he'll provide great value with where he's being drafted. 
he does come with a risk. He's been nursing a, a calf issue. James Washington and uh, rookie Chase Claypool have been filling in. So there's plenty to like about both of those players as well. And an offense that should be pretty, you know, high flying. But Johnson should be a mid-round steal for anybody who's who's willing to take that risk. Yeah, I agree with you. I already made it clear how I feel about the Steelers' offense this season with Ben Big Ben Big Big Ben back. Ben is uh, big. <laughs> ben big. Uh, they will bounce back this year, and I think Deontay Johnson and Juju are going to be a fierce combo. So I agree with you on this one. I do too. And just throwing it out there in the season predictions, <laughs> I have a lot more to talk about with the Steelers. I just, I just want to put that on your radar. Okay. Okay. I, I'm preparing myself. <laughs> My next sleeper is Janu Smith, tight end for Tennessee Titans. Janu. He um, is going to be the tight end one for Tennessee this year after Delaney Walker was released after um, the end of the season last year. His current ADP is in round 14. And I, who do the Titans have besides A.J. Brown? Like, Derrick Henry is not very involved in the passing game. Last season, he only had 24 targets. John New Smith was targeted 47 times last year. But keep in mind, Delaney Walker played the first six weeks and got 30 targets. Combine that into one person, and that would have been the 11th most targeted tight end last year. Tennessee does run the ball a lot, but they also run a lot of two tight end sets, which means that Smith will most likely be on the field for the majority of their plays. So I think he will be a red zone target, which gives him touchdown upside. He's got so much going for him. And at that price tag, a 14th round, that is crazy. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't take a chance on him. I really think he breaks out this year and far exceeds that draft position. Yeah, he's a he's a great choice. Uh, two things: the first time since 2012 that the Week One starting tight end for the Titans is not Delaney Walker. Wow! So the end of an era there. Uh huh. It seems like Delaney is just always a guy. He's just he's always around. He in, is in fantasy, like he's always on the waiver wire. Yeah. Like I don't know. Uh, and then the other thing you're talking about: who else they have? I guess Corey Davis, but he's never been a big fantasy option at all that's true and we will see though because i know that uh ryan Tannehill has focused in the offseason on building chemistry with Corey davis so he may rise up some but i still think that Jono breaks out and i think he has a great season okay my uh my second sleeper is danny dimes himself daniel jones the quarterback for the new york giants <laughs> I I thought Jones was impressive last season in a couple of dramatic wins, especially early on in the year at Tampa Bay. Um, he's currently ranked as a number 12 QB on ESPN. Really all signs indicate he'll have a more improved game this season. The Giants have a lot of guys returning from injury and supposedly an improved offensive line. Even after Nate Solder opted out for the season, he was going to be a starting offensive tackle. Um, Jones extends plays. He gets yards on the ground. He's accurate on deep balls. Uh, his big flaw last year was fumbles. He had 11 lost fumbles, which is insane to lose yes. the ball 11 times in a season. That was more than Jameis, I think. Yeah. Which, you know, he's the turnover king. <laughs> yes. So, you know, he trained with uh, David Cutliffe, his former college coach in the offseason. 
Cutliffe is very well regarded for his work with quarterbacks. He worked a lot with Peyton Manning. They worked a lot on ball security and getting stronger so he could absorb hits. With all the weapons on that offense and Saquon Barkley in the backfield, I feel that Jones will have great numbers. And at the very least, he's going to get a ton of yards and garbage time by just dumping it down to Saquon and having mm-hmm. Saquon turn a three-yard pass into a 22-yard gain. Uh-huh. So I think Jones is a great option. He's getting drafted right there in that range where Aaron Rodgers is, who, as we're going to talk about later on, <laughs> I would definitely take Jones over Aaron Rodgers. He is right around Big Ben and some other guys. I just don't sleep on Jones. I think he's going to have a great season. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add here. Um, he showed a lot of potential last season. As you said, the his fatal flaw was the the turnovers, the fumbles. But like you said, he did work significantly on fixing these fumbling issues. So if if that's the case and he is better about that, I think he will have a great season, which is really hard to say as a Cowboys fan. <laughs> Well, and when in the NFL, when teams know that you have an issue with fumbling, that's what they go for. So yeah. it's just always in everybody's head as they rush the passer. Like, even if you don't get to them, just swipe at the ball. And yeah, obviously, that's a goal anyway for any quarterback, even if they don't have fumbling issues. But when it's put on your radar, probably over and over during that week, it's always going to be on your head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he can control that, he definitely. It just seems like he's going to make a lot of progress. And if on all these sites, you know, he's all he's number 12, which seems crazy, but yeah, it seems like he's going to have a good year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. My next sleeper candidate is Matt Breida running back for Miami this year. Miami's ability to run the ball last season was non-existent. Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing with 243 <laughs> yards. Fitz that magic. is that is crazy that 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 the person on their team who had the most rushing yards was one the quarterback but also he only had 243 yards. That's embarrassing. Well yeah, Clearly. and it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Like on, on top of it, it wasn't Lamar Jackson, it was Ryan right. Fitzpatrick. Yes. Uh, clearly the Dolphins want to change that this year. They added both Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. They did also add some offensive line help and hired a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt Breida is going to split touches with Jordan Howard, but where he will excel will be in the passing game. Howard spent three seasons in Chicago getting more than 250 plus carries each season, but never caught more than 30 passes. I see Matt Breida as the passing down guy with Miami trailing a lot and having to throw the ball a lot. Breida is being projected to get more than 1,000 all-purpose yards and five total touchdowns. That is good for RB2 numbers, and you can get him in the eighth or ninth round. So I will take him all day in the eighth or ninth round. Please give him to me. <laughs> I've got a feeling in our draft that he'll probably be available to you. And but since you brought this up, maybe I could steal him from you. <laughs> That's probably what you're gonna do. You stole Lamar really? Jackson last year when I was targeting him, and you know, we see how that worked out. <laughs> you're gonna take credit for knowing Lamar Jackson was gonna be like this all you know, all all pro guy. Uh-huh. I I 
I knew it was going to happen, and I was targeting him. And just before I was going to take him, you took him. Well, I guess two things. <laughs> Matt Breda, 743 total yards last season, even, even though he wound up sort of losing his starting job with the 49ers. He really did have a pretty good year, especially with, with the amount that he played. Mm-hmm. Also, with this Lamar Jackson talk, <laughs> just one one quick little thing on Lamar. I've got notes from after the draft last year, and this is this is pretty funny. So I have everybody written down as you know who I who I drafted, and then like who I think is going to start right. So my starting quarterback is Matt Ryan, and I have Lamar <laughs> Jackson on the bench. <laughs> That's not the worst of it. I have Cooper Cup on the bench. My starting flex is Dante Pettis. He keeps coming back to haunt you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So maybe I don't think I actually started him because that that seems insane if I would have started in week one. Even Lamar Jackson having that crazy game. I think I won week one last year with Matt Ryan despite Lamar Jackson getting however many points because he threw all those touchdowns against the dolphins mm-hmm. in in week one but i just wanted to throw that out there that <laughs> even people that profess to know a lot of things about fantasy football can make really bad mistakes uh, yeah I, I have dante pettis written down as in my in my flex i do think that i switched him out for probably cup or damien williams that week one yeah. anyway. it happens to the best of us you know <laughs> anyway getting getting on with it Uh, Our final sleeper, and this will be my first homer pick, even though I truly do believe in it. My first homer pick of this podcast, Noah Fant, the tight end for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Tight end is a really, you know, it's it's a difficult position for rookies to thrive in typically. Yet, Fant still delivered 40 catches for 562 yards and three touchdowns last season. Him and quarterback Drew Locke both have an extra year of experience now, and coordinator Pat Shermer's offense should emphasize the tight end pretty often. Uh, he's a threat up the seam and really does have big playability. His speed is such an asset because he, he can escape from defenders after the catch and pick up yards in, in chunks, which you see tight ends like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey do on a regular basis. I think Fant is a no-doubt tight end or, or a uh, top 10 tight end ESPN has him at 10 right now. I think he'll finish higher. I like him more than Waller. I like mm-hmm. him. I like him right on the edge of those other guys. He's probably not going to beat Ertz. He's probably not going to beat Mark Andrews. Probably in the six or seven range. I really like Noah Fant. Yeah. I, I like Noah Fant. Okay. Stay with me here. I he's an I like him because he's an amazing athlete and as you said he can escape after the catch. He had 8.3 yards after the catch last season, which is pretty amazing. It was the best among mm-hmm. tight ends. But I have to be honest here. My concern is that one, the Broncos added more receiving options this year, which could take looks away from fan. And two, one of those options was a tight end that Locke played with in college and targeted targeted heavily in the end zone. I yeah, I, was, I don't remember what this guy's name is, but that's what I saw. So well, we just call him Alberto. Everybody at Missouri called him Alberto because nobody knows how to <laughs> nobody knows how to <laughs> say his last name. 
but yes, he is supremely talented. And, you know, hopefully maybe he can come in and they can do some sort of two tight end set type type stuff. They signed uh, Nick Vanett as well, who's another capable tight end. They have tons of mouths to feed. But last season, once Locke became the starter, Fant really took off. He had some great games, especially against Cleveland. He had a really awesome uh, touchdown catch in traffic against Houston. I I just really believe in him. And we keep talking about, and we're going to move on to our rookies after this, we keep talking about how with no preseason games and all that, maybe it's going to be tougher for rookies to break out this season. You know, a little lack of experience. They are not up to speed with the the offense yet and Fant is in year two he's going to have that advantage over some other guys on the team yeah no and I don't disagree with you and he's an amazing athlete so they're 100 percent going to get and keep him involved it's just I have a little bit of concerns but I do think he'll probably be okay <laughs> you know if they are spreading the ball around so successfully that Noah Fant isn't a, a good fantasy option like just because so many guys are, are catching passes and all that I think that bodes well so you know what I'm gonna be happy either way but I I would draft Noah Fant if you cannot get one of those uh, you know premier tight ends I think that it's been well established now in fantasy circles. Just don't really worry about tight end. Like if you can't get Kelsey, you can't get Kittle, you can't get Ertz, you can't get Andrews. And maybe just if you, if you can't get the first two guys, just wait, wait a few rounds because everyone in between six to 15 and and tight end is going to be really closely packed. I just think Fant is going to be toward the upper part of that. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And uh, just a quick note, if you do want to get Kelsey or, um George Kittle. Yes, why can't I think of his stupid name? <laughs> P- Peanut Kittle. If you do want Kelsey or Kittle, you're going to have to take them in the second and third round at least. So Right. Just to know. I know you have a quick honorable mention here for the sleepers. I'm going to let you go first cuz I have an honorable mention, but it's not super quick and it kind of leads me into my first <laughs> breakout rookie. So. My first one, just super quick, and you don't even have to comment on it. My my first one is is Greg Olson. He is the tight end in Seattle now. Just someone who is potentially a future Hall of Fame tight end is ranked 30th overall right now on ESPN. I, mm-hmm. I think it, actually 29. Seattle always emphasizes the tight end. I mean, there's always a guy that is doing great. Will Will Disley last season was awesome until he got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something to consider. He's going to be there hanging around super late in your draft. If yeah. you're looking for a backup tight end, just take a flyer on, on Greg Olson. What could possibly go wrong? Right. My honorable mention. Now this is, I'm going to get long winded here. So buckle up. Okay. <laughs> honorable mention sleeper, Blake Jarwin, a tight end for Dallas. So just real quick. I say real quick, but it's not going to be quick. Say what you want about Dallas, but the offense is high scoring and it is very fantasy friendly. They have a lot of weapons. So a lot of people will say that no one is valuable, but that just is not the case. Okay. There are plenty of (laughs) targets. There are plenty of targets to go around. Okay. Both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup had more than a hundred targets last season. Jason Witten had 83, Randall Cobb had 83, and Tavon Austin had 24. All three of those guys are gone. 
Combine their targets with Jarwin's 41 targets from last season, and that's 231 targets up for grabs. People will say, oh, Zeke will get some of those. No, Zeke already had 71 targets, while Tony Pollard had 20. Some of Tavon Austin's targets might go to the running backs because they did design plays for him in the backfield. Even if all of his 24 targets went to the running backs, that leaves 207 targets up for grabs. This brings me to my first rookie breakout candidate as well, which is C.D. Lamb, the new wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. So let's say there are 207 targets to be split between Lamb and Jarwin. I know this is getting long. Stay with me. In the last four seasons, when they had Jason Witten as the clear tight end one, Mm-hmm. The most he was targeted was 95 times. That was in 2016 in Dak's first season. So maybe he was targeted a little bit extra security blanket for a rookie quarterback. The other two seasons he started with Dak, he had 87 and 83 targets. Dallas also tends to target other tight ends, sometimes 30 to 40 times, sometimes only seven to eight times in a season. I don't expect 40 targets for a tight end two this season because we don't, I say we, because I'm a Cowboys fan, if you didn't know. (laughs) We don't have, (laughs) we don't have a tight end two of Blake Jarwin's caliber. I could see Jarwin getting 80 to 90 targets, tight end two getting maybe 20. That would leave damn near 100 targets for C.D. Lamb that he could then get. Sure, Dallas has other random receivers that sometimes get a look. But even if he got what Randall Cobb got, which was 83, he could have close to 1,000 yards, depending on his efficiency. Cobb finished last season with 828 yards and three touchdowns. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper have both already said that the goal is to have three 1,000-yard receivers this year. And I do see that. As a possibility, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I do think with as much as they pass the ball, it's possible. Elias is laughing at me if you can't. I'm smiling so hard right now. So there's plenty of volume to go around. Keep an eye on both Blake Jarwin and C.D. Lamb. Lamb's ADP has been rising lately, so depending on your league size, you may draft him in the eighth or ninth round. As for Blake Jarwin, you can get him very late, probably 14th round or last round if you really wanted to. You know, just imagine if they had Noah Fant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I almost I spit the, my water out when you <laughs> I think the key thing with Jarwin is is what you mentioned. Jason Witten last year, 83 targets. All of those are going to Jarwin. I think mm-hmm. Jarwin can have a monster season. And with Lamb, he's so dynamic in space. You know, in college, they didn't, I mean, they, they did go deep to him, but most of the time it was just as as well and good to throw a five yard pass and just let him see if he can make something out of it. Mm -hmm. He's, he's great in space. And I think, you know, what I've seen is they're going to try to feature him in jet sweeps and, and reverses and all that, get him in open space and let him run. I think lamb could have a great season. And honestly, my first guy that I'm going to talk about, I think lamb is going to have a much better season uh, my first guy is also a homer pick, just like Kyle, Kyla's pick. Mine is Jerry <laughs> Judy, the wide receiver out of Denver. I have to let everybody know here that when I told Elias I was picking C.D. Lamb, he said, oh, you would pick him. But he's now picked <laughs> two Broncos back-to-back here. 
just let the record show, okay? I do have the Broncos also featured in the season predictions. Ha- have you heard yet about the season predictions <laughs> that, that we're doing at the end of the show? I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry Judy, just full disc- you know, disclaimer here. I think Judy is a guy you draft and then stash away for a few weeks. I don't I do not expect him week one to be a world beater. Um he's gonna have to get acclimated to NFL speed. He's Word is is that he's been great in in camp and that, but then a lot of people still think that uh, KJ Hamler is going to get plenty of playing time instead of Judy. There might be a little bit of a mix there for a while. Hamler is currently injured, but he'll be back soon enough. With Judy, though, it just it seems like for the majority of the season, if not all the season, he's going to be the number two receiver behind Cortland Sutton. Denver, while young, should have, I think, even though you're talking about all the people in that, I think they should have an explosive offense and there will be lots of targets to go around. With Judy, all you hear about is his skills as a route runner and his agility. I just think he's going to get acquainted a little bit quicker than some other young guys in the league just with how technically efficient he is. And just as a speculative ad late in your draft, you could just you could do a lot worse because yeah. what if like the the ceiling for Judy just like Lamb I think is really really high. Now with the Cowboys we're going to get you know just in case if you're out there and you're tired of hearing about the Cowboys you are not in luck because there's another cowboy coming later. But I just think the upside with Judy is immeasurable. A lot of the Cowboys too, the upside is immeasurable, especially if you can get them at, at value. There's mm-hmm. not a lot to, to, to dislike here. Yeah, I agree with you. I, rookie receivers are always kind of hard to predict, especially this year, as we've said many, many times with the limited off season, no preseason. Uh, but the Broncos drafted him with the 15th overall pick. So to me, that says they believe in him. And a lot of people think that he was the best receiver in this receiving class this year. Um, so there is that. From what I can gather, Jerry Judy can play a lot of different roles and do a lot of different things on the field. So I do think they're going to try to get him involved. And I do think he's worth taking a chance on, too. I agree with you. Uh, let's see. It's my turn now. Is it Clyde Edwards Hilaire is my next running back. Now this is probably low hanging fruit, especially now since Damian Williams has opted out. Um, it, but... it is, it is low hanging fruit, but at the same time for breakout rookies, you know, this category that we're doing, we can't not, we can't not include him. Right. You know, especially uh... with the rookie position being so sort of uh, up in the air. Mm-hmm. this season like obviously if a top 10 guy we got to talk about him yeah i um yeah i like him a lot kansas city drafted him in the first round this year and as i said damian williams opted out and the chiefs gm has said that he's on pace to have a big year to be our primary ball carrier Um, He finished 2019 for LSU with 215 carries, 1,414 yards, and 16 touchdowns on the ground while adding 55 receptions for 453 yards and one touchdown. We know Andy Reid can make any old running back a star, 
and they must believe in Edwards Hilaire a lot if they drafted him in the first round. I think even if Damian Williams had been there, he could have taken over this job. But without him there, there's literally no resistance here. So defenders won't be able to stack the box because of Patrick Mahomes. Clyde is going is oh shit. Clyde is good in the receiving game and will be plenty involved there as well. I'm not taking him ahead of the big five, McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, Dalvin, but I'd consider it at six. It's always risky taking a rookie because he has no NFL tape, but I believe in this offense with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, and I he will for sure be a top 10 finish, unless, unless barring an injury or something, he's a top 10 finish, maybe even a top five. Yeah, in, in your draft in that first round, if you're drafting seven or eight, let's say somebody at seven takes Hilaire, then I would take Eckler. If somebody takes Eckler, then I would take Hilaire. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, he's definitely worth having this season. And as you know, for my love of Damian Williams last year, first of all, do not speak ill on Damian Williams. <laughs> Secondly, though, you need Andy Reid's running back. You want Andy Reid's running back. Yeah. Last year was an outlier that he didn't do better and that there were multiple guys that they had to throw in there. He loves having that premier back that can catch yeah. passes. You want Clyde. Clyde's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the RBs for another breakout rookie, I have Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. Colts coach uh, Frank Reich has said that Marlon Mack is a starting RB, but also that they'll, and in quotes, ride the hot hand, which you Mm. know what that means. There's going to be a committee. Taylor is a three down back, though. He had an incredible college career at Wisconsin. He will be the starter. It just depends on how long it takes for him to get there and take over. Mm -hmm. He's being taken a few rounds before Mack now in drafts. So the consensus is that he's the back to own from Indy. I think they'll run the ball a ton to take pressure pressure off of Philip Rivers, who looked ancient last season, <laughs> and they're going to rely on their on their defense. It's going to be more of that ball control type team. He could be a ginormous steal, I think, in fantasy drafts. You'll need to be patient in the beginning while Mac potentially gets more playing time, potentially gets more carries, especially if they're in a close game and maybe they think that Mac, you know, just putting the veteran in there might be a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. but the expectation is that he'll take over at least by midseason, And he could also cut into Naheem Hines' third down re- receiving back role as as well. I think that Taylor can catch plenty of balls out of the outfield, the outfield, the backfield. <laughs> he's going to be in the outfield too. He's, he's, a, he's a center fielder. I, with, with Taylor though, tons of upside. I think he's going to be a great pick. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And I didn't even, I don't keep up with college football, which might sound crazy considering that I love the NFL and I love fantasy football, but I honestly didn't even know who this was before he got drafted, but there has never been another running back in college who's rushed for more yards than he has in three seasons. In 2019, he had 2003 yards, 2003. No one really knows how the season will start, like you said, with him and Marlon Mack, but Mack is injury prone. He's missed at least two games in all of his seasons uh, with Indianapolis. And like we, like you said, it you don't know when he's going to take over, but one small injury to Marlon Mack and 
he could start that game and then never give up the reins, you know? So I think eventually he will take that job completely. Yeah. And his time at Wisconsin, I think can be a little misconstrued. He had a great career and I think he will have a great NFL career as, as well. But Wisconsin sort of has a long line of running backs. Now they get into the NFL and then are not nearly as good as they were in college. Monte mm-hmm. Ball, uh, Ron Dane was kind of derailed by injuries, and he had some good times with the Giants. But uh, Melvin Gordon, while being a good RB, I don't ever think has really fulfilled what people thought he was going to be in the um, NFL. Yeah, that's true. I, I think there are a couple of guys I'm missing because it is Wisconsin and all they do is just run the ball behind five guys that are 350 pounds. <laughs> you know, that that is Wisconsin football. But I think the Colts are going to... I think it's so funny. They were talking the other day about what they're relying on this season is Philip Rivers not throwing picks and not making mistakes. And they were asking Rivers about it. And he was like, you know, I can do it. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, <you>? buddy. <laughs> I, I just, whenever they can run the ball, if they're running it successfully, especially with the offensive line they have, I just think they're going to run, 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 yeah. run, 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 run. Yeah. Yeah. My next breakout rookie <laughs> is Joe Burrow, the brand new quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of people are high on Joe Burrow, but he may go undrafted depending on your league size and if you play one quarterback or two. Most people play one, but you play in a league that plays two. So, yeah. Um, but if you're in a big league or play in a two quarterback league, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's been great in training camp and has no competition for the starting gig at all. So, he will be out there week one, snap one. Their defense finished 25th last season overall, which had the Bengals playing from behind a lot, which means more passing. Andy Dalton played in 13 games last season, but still managed to finish 11th among quarterbacks in pass attempts. What's more, Burrow finished with a 76% completion percentage last year at LSU and had 368 rushing yards and five touchdowns on the ground. As we talked about last week, a quarterback who can use his legs is valuable in fantasy football, unless your name is Josh Allen. With the weapons around him and the fact that, like I said, the Bengals are going to be down a lot, so throwing the ball more, Burrow could start putting up QB1 numbers weekly very early on, I think. Lots of garbage time passing for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I won a championship a couple of years ago with Blake Bortles, just all oh garbage time all the time. Wow. He was a top 10 quarterback. It was a year before they went to the AFC championship game. He was a top 10 quarterback just with all the garbage time. Him and Allen Robinson, like Joe Burrow, <laughs> Joe Burrow could be that guy as the Bengals, unfortunately will be losing a lot of games. Yeah. Also, if you're out there and you're curious about the two quarterback league, <laughs> I'm just going to say that our scoring is a lot different, so you can't wait to draft a a quarterback because quarterbacks in that league are just as valuable. Wow. So in the first round, you know, you have four quarterbacks, four RBs. It just, it makes it a lot different. Make fantasy your own. If you want to change the scoring, you can do it. You can do that in in your league. Just go crazy. It's supposed to be fun, Whatever you want, yeah. All right. So is this our final rookie? I believe so. It is, yep. 
Wide receiver for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, keeping up with the LSU connection. He was the receiver for Joe Burrow last season, the number one option. Uh, he has made up for missing the first two weeks of training camp with COVID by really making waves when he finally got on the field in, in camp. As of now, he's a number three option at receiver behind Adam Thielen and, and B.C. Johnson. However, offensive coordinator, love of my life, Gary Kubiak, <laughs> uh, he's been lining up Jefferson in the slot, which is a spot where he caught 100 of, of his 111 receptions last season for the Bayou Bengals. Um, he's He has good size, is a superb route runner. I think he has a role, and he will be a good bench option for fantasy teams. Maybe if Kirk Cousins is having a great season, which is obviously a great or a giant maybe. Yeah, uh, I think Jefferson could sneak into the flex mix, but he's really talented. Probably more talented than than BC Johnson. You've got to think. And by the end of the of the season, I I do think he'll be the number two receiver behind Thielen. Yeah, the only concern for me is that the Vikings run the ball so much, so the volume may not be there. But I do think he's definitely worth a late round pick for depth, uh, with good potential to return much more value especially if an aging Adam Thielen misses any time with injuries, which is quite possible. It's definitely possible. He could definitely work his way in there. And, you know, if, if there's an injury, he could be a lot more valuable than I just made him out to be. Yeah. He's the future there. You know, they, they spent a top pick on him. So. Yeah. Just keep him in mind, especially for next year, but obviously we're talking about this season. So I think he's going to have a good year this season too. Yeah. Moving on to our busts, my first buzz is somebody I'm really butthurt over this. <laughs> my first buzz here, like he really tormented me last season. It is Aaron Jones running back for the Green Bay Packers. So, a couple of weeks ago, you asked me if I had anyone last year who I'd never draft again. Yours was Odell Beckham. <laughs> mine is Aaron Jones Aaron Jones is somebody that I cannot forgive and I cannot forget like I can with James Conner he was the bane of my existence last <laughs> season <laughs> if you didn't have him you're probably surprised by this because it seems like he had a good season but he was so volatile he finishes the RB2 in PPR leagues, which is unbelievable coming from somebody who had him on their team. It's because he had 19 touchdowns, so do not be fooled. I'll never forget watching a Packers game last year. I think we talked about this on the podcast last year. I was watching the Packers game last season, and I saw Aaron Jones running down the middle of the field, nobody around him, Aaron Rodgers running behind him, looking for somebody to throw the ball to. And Aaron Rodgers just would not. He refused to throw the ball to Aaron Jones. <laughs> At least that's how it seemed to me anyway, because I needed Aaron Jones to do something, anything. And it's like, throw the ball. Rodgers, throw the ball, throw the ball. And he wouldn't do it. Anyway, he is almost guaranteed to see a regression in touchdowns. Last season, he carried the ball 236 times, which ranked 15th among running backs. When Jamal, when Jamal Williams was healthy, 
Jones only averaged 13.7 attempts per game and 3.9 targets per game. Now they've added another rookie running back, A.J. Dillon. I think the Packers might try to run the ball more this season. They should at least, but this is going to be a committee. It already was a committee of two, now maybe a committee of three. I am saying far, far away from Aaron Jones. I will never, ever, ever in my life draft (laughs) that guy for my fantasy team ever again. So you're not the only one who's, you know, giving Aaron Jones a, a lot of crap. But yeah, he was the number four scorer in our league last season. That is unbelievable. Only, only Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and Lamar Jackson had more points. But like you were saying, it's the peaks and valleys. So, you know, he had yeah. some weeks where he'd get 12 and then he'd get 48. And yeah. then like Aaron Jones, my guy. That is not who you, somebody week. you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, you don't want somebody who's so volatile and so up and down like that from week to week on your team. You want somebody who's consistent every week. Also with, with AJ Dillon, just a a quick note. uh, There have been a lot of memes in that about how AJ Dillon does not miss leg day (laughs) because him and Saquon have apparently just like the most ginormous calves and and thighs like in the NFL. So people just like keep saying, well, AJ Dillon's going to get carries. Have you seen his legs? Which doesn't make his quads. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. But I'm looking forward to seeing him and just being like, oh, look, he is muscular. Look at that guy. <laughs> anyway, sticking with the Packers, uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers as my first bust. Uh, just a little disclaimer. All three of my guys, I think, are going to have have good years. All three of my busts. I just don't think they're going to be good with where they're being drafted. Um, but anyway, I'm going to, yeah. you know. Aaron Rodgers, here we go. So the future Hall of Famer has been tumbling down draft boards because Green Bay, as we're talking about, is leaning toward a more run-first offense. They have Aaron Jones and Dylan and Williams. Rodgers had his lowest fantasy output of his career last season. He was still the 13th best QB, but still his yeah. lowest fantasy output. Now what you would expect from Aaron Rodgers. Also had his worst completion percentage since 2015. The run game, you know, their their scheme overall, it it led them to the NFC Championship game. And the Packers drafted Dylan, the prototypical old school power back, which tells me their offense won't be drastically different. You know, it got them that far. Why would they change? Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams is the only truly scary option in the passing game. I feel like instead of Rodgers, I'd go with some other guys are being drafted around him. I would go with Cam Newton. I would go with Big Ben. I would go with Matthew Stafford, Danny Dimes. Uh-huh. It's a lot of options in that part of the draft. Um, just like with Drew Brees, who we highlighted last week, I think you need to ignore the name, that yeah. name, Aaron Rodgers, when you see him, especially when the clock is winding down on your draft. You know, nine seconds, make your pick. Eight <laughs> seconds, seven seconds, and you're like, oh, shit. Aaron Rodgers is good. I'm going to pick him. <laughs> pick somebody around him. If you can get him at, at value, just like we're saying with all these guys, value changes a lot of stuff. But uh, I would, I personally am not going to draft Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I. there's no doubt about it that Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. You said future Hall of Famer, former Super Bowl MVP, and I think he could still play. In fairness, he doesn't have many 
weapons around him. And the Packers did nothing in the way of helping him in the offseason. They did add Devin Funches, but he opted out. So now they don't have him. So he just doesn't They have really any did weapons. the opposite. They really yeah. did the opposite of helping him. They drafted another quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So it's hard to see him finishing very high in fantasy. I, I'm not drafting him either. Like you said, I'd rather have Matthew Stafford or I don't know if I'll draft Daniel Jones just because he's a giant, but there are plenty of other options. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My next bus, this one is somebody too, who is also has everything to do with where he is being drafted. It is Darren Waller, the tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I did pick this guy before Tyrell Williams was declared out for the season, but I didn't expect that much from Tyrell Williams anyway, so I'm sticking with Mm -hmm. it. He is going as the tight end five in PPR leagues, and I just don't see him living up to that price. Derek Carr was heavily reliant on Darren Waller last season, and the Raiders clearly want to change that since they used three of their first four draft picks on wide receivers, and they added Nelson Aguilar in free agency. We kind of touched on this last week, how the Raiders' passing game is a mess and you really don't know what to expect. I just think he's going to see a huge decrease in volume with all the extra mouths to feed. And at the price that he's going at, I just don't think it's worth it. Tight end has suddenly become a little deeper than expected, much deeper than it was last season. So I think you could get someone else at a better price that could outperform him. Yeah, just the the Raiders in general just make me uneasy. Yeah. I I'm just going to sort of avoid that situation. Like you said, I I honestly I think he'll have a good year, but there are other guys around him I just think I'm more comfortable drafting. Yeah. Now, for my second bust, I've got Devin Singletary. He is the RB out of Buffalo. Circle the wagons. Mhm. He was uh He was fourth in the NFL last season with 5.1 yards per carry, had 969 total yards, a fantastic rookie year. But this year, it seems the dreaded timeshare may cut into his numbers a little bit. Rookie Zach Moss out of Utah has been great in camp. He's likely to be a factor around the goal line as well, as Singletary is only 5'7". Moss is not extremely tall, but he does outweigh him by a solid amount. And Moss could get in there on passing downs as as well. There was a report from The Athletic that Singletary is having some fumbling issues. So that's obviously never good. Yeah. And on top of it, inside the 10-yard line, Buffalo is just as likely to run Josh Allen as they are an RB. And if they do do an RB down in that area, then they've got Zach Moss. Right. All that adds up to a guy who's more of a flex op- option. I, you know, at his ADP which is 22 right now on ESPN. I think that is way too high. You look at some other guys that are in that area that are being drafted after him. I know the 49ers have a timeshare, but Raheem Mostert is after him. I like him. Mark Ingram, who we haven't talked about yet on the pod, he's after him. Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt, a guy that you're really high on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Lindsay, there are a lot of guys that are coming after him. I personally am going to avoid Singletary. Yeah, uh, you talked about the goal line there. He only had two carries inside the five-yard line last season. And it is 
expected that Zach Moss will take over that Frank Gore role who got most of the goal line carries last season as far as the running backs go. I can't remember where Josh Allen fell inside of that, but you're right. They are just as likely to run Josh Allen as they are a running back. So the biggest concern with him is usage. He only got 49.58% of the running back snaps last season. Probably not going to get much more than that this year. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't want him either. My next guy is Cooper Cup, your boy Cooper, the wide receiver for the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. Um, outside of Aaron Jones, the bus were hard this year. With that said, I picked Cup because of the drastic fall off he had at the end of last season. Like I've said before, the Rams were a complete disaster last season on offense. But there's more to this than the Rams being bad overall. He started as the wide receiver two through the first eight games and finished the last eight games as the wide receiver 31. His uses dropped drastically because the Rams started using two tight end sets. Now, it stands true that Jared Goff is better when Cooper Cup is on the field. But if the Rams need two tight ends for blocking, who knows what will happen with Cup? They may try to find ways to get him on the field, get him more involved, which is what they need to do. As I said, Jared Goff is better when he's on the field, but he played on average of 63% of snaps in the last five games compared to 88% in the first 11 games of the year. I do think he has high upside with touchdowns, and he is very talented, but to me, his usage is too uncertain, and I think Robert Woods is the safer option to go with on this team, so I will not be drafting Cooper Cup. Yeah, he was awesome early in the year last year. He was on team. Uh, I think, I believe he did come through with a good game in the fantasy playoffs, but I'd have to look back on that. But uh, I like Robert Woods way more than, than Cooper Cup as well. And for the finals, I can't wait any longer. L- let's get into it. Amari let's Cooper. <laughs> the oh. Cowboys supposedly number one receiver. All right. You know, let's, let's just get fired up. So full disclosure, Cooper, (laughs) Cooper is going to have a great season, but I do think he's being drafted too high because I'm not sure he'll even be the most productive receiver on his own team. He closed last season, earning just nine PPR points per game in the final seven matchups. That's also when Michael Gallup started to make his presence felt in that offense. Cooper had some nagging injuries by that point, so maybe they were going to Gallup because of that. However, now with Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Blake Jarwin, and on top of that, an always stellar run game, I just don't think... Kyla, (laughs) stick with me. (laughs) I see you staring. I'm here. I just, I don't think that he'll garner the same. He had 119 targets last season. If Cooper falls into the fifth round of your draft, then obviously take him, but I do think he's being drafted too high. Right now, he's a wide receiver 11 for a guy that may not even lead his own team in receptions. Uh, Right in that area, there's a lot of talent, a lot of guys who have potential for big games. I personally, unless I can get value, I'm going to stay away from Amari Cooper. So, here's the thing. I know you're bracing for for a war here, but here's the thing. I don't actually disagree with you that much, okay? That much. 
much. <laughs> well, he's not going <laughs> to bust, that's for sure. But he is riskier than some of the other guys being drafted around him. I will give you that. He can have games where he doesn't do much, which, like I said, you don't really want a guy like that on your team who's kind of up and down. But right. let's not forget that he was the wide receiver four through the first 10 weeks last year. And some of his end of season slumping was likely due to the multiple injuries he was battling. That is another concern, though, obviously, that he had mm. those injuries. And he's the type of guy, it seems like, that gets minor injuries that aren't really enough to put him out of a game, which is almost even worse as far as fantasy goes, because then it just makes him not produce, but he still plays, so then you don't know whether to play him or not. Yeah. I'd rather somebody, if they're gonna if they're gonna be injured, even if it's just minor, just don't play. Like, let me replace <laughs> you. Make it easy. Um, but I'm not finished yet. So the injury thing does add to the concern. Like I said, I'm not arguing that he's riskier than some, but as we've already talked about, there's a lot of volume to go around in Dallas. I think he will continue to see targets. He got 119 targets last year, which is plenty. And I don't see why that would go down much, if at all. I love Amari, but you aren't wrong in that he's risky at a third-round ADP. Let me let me emphasize, you aren't wrong. Fourth round, that might be a different story. I might take him in the fourth round. He's not going to fall to the fourth round, so you're not going to get him if you don't take him in the third round, probably, unless it's early fourth round. Fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt that Michael Gallup is going for a bargain price. I'm going to use this opportunity just to brag on Michael Gallup a little bit. He saw only five less targets than Amari Cooper last season. The difference lying, though, in a 66% catch rate percentage for Amari Cooper and a 58% for Michael Gallup. But they're like anyone else. Don't reach for them. I draft Amari as my second wide receiver drafted, so I probably won't get him because I doubt I'll draft that guy until the fifth round at least, and he won't fall that far. But surprisingly, yes, I agree with you that he is going too early considering that he has some question marks. I I just, I love Gallup. He is currently, if you... Go on ESPN, you know, they provide like those draft kits, like crap you can print out with all the players and stuff. Gallup is after, and these are some some guys that he's after. Jarvis Landry, Stefan Diggs, AJ Green. Wow. Uh, I mean, you talked about how you didn't really like Keenan Allen. I still think Keenan Allen should be drafted before Gallup, but there are some other guys there that... I would not take in a million years before I took Gallup. Yeah, I agree. He's going to have a Okay, and to recap what we've gone over, since we have said a lot of things, the sleepers <laughs> that we like this year, Marvin Jones, Deontay Johnson, Jonu Smith, Noah Fant, Daniel Jones, and Matt Breida. And the breakout rookies that we think are going to have good seasons, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and Joe Burrow. And lastly, our bust, Aaron Jones, Devin Singletary, Darren Waller, Cooper Cup, Aaron Rodgers, 
and Amari Cooper with an asterisk. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and now, just for fun, after all that fantasy knowledge, our season predictions. The moment. Well, that's his favorite part. The moment we've all been waiting for, really. I mean, that I've been waiting for for a while. Kyla, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the postseason. Who you got? Hold on. I'm uh, loading here. Okay. The postseason. Let me see. What week does that start in? Let's see. 17. No, 18. no. I'm, I'm talking about the real, the real postseason, not like the fantasy postseason. No, I know. So okay. <laughs> I have in the postseason in the AFC. Who's my one seed? Because it's not listed here. Hold on. Oh, it's Baltimore in the AFC is my one seed, two seed, Kansas City, and then Buffalo, Houston, Pittsburgh, New England. Wow. And then Tennessee. How did I get New England in there? Oh, well. I mean, and, they probably should be in there. <laughs> and then in the NFC, my one seed is, I'm looking at it on my computer as I'm talking, Seattle. My two seed is Dallas, and then New Orleans, Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and Philadelphia. San Fran is a wild. You have Seattle. Seattle is your number one. <laughs> I do. I'm so bad at this, though. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff See, even happened. You say that you're bad at it, but but last year you had Baltimore. Didn't you pick Baltimore to be like 13 and 3? I probably did. I probably did. Probably yeah, I, I, I probably did. You're right. <laughs> so you were you were right on with Baltimore and I was like, wow, Baltimore, really? You know, so last year, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at my sheet from last season. I have six of twelve playoff teams. So it's this is actually pretty hard because when you're I had the Falcons and the Rams. They both did not get in. Uh, I had the Cowboys. They did not get in. The Browns, which was the big trendy pick last season, I had them in the postseason. Steelers and uh, Chargers as as well. Then uh, I did have the Super Bowl champion, though. I had the Chiefs over the Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles, with all their injuries, did not make it to that point. <laughs> so this season, I, I believe you have Houston as your division winner in the south mm -hmm. houston is on the outside looking in for me at seven and nine their first three weeks are at kansas city and they host baltimore and they're at pittsburgh I, yeah I think they have houston, a rough start i think houston has a really tough schedule my biggest omissions from the postseason seattle <laughs> <laughs> i have i have seattle at nine and seven uh <laughs> just on the outside looking in and then I have Indianapolis at nine and seven as well, even though I I do think the Colts have a pretty good team. So the AFC, my number one seed, Kansas City, thirteen and three. Then making our way down. I as people tend to do, you put too much emphasis on last season. And I wanted to change up a couple of division winners. I really found that, oh, I have the same division winners as as last year, you know. So I wanted to make make it a little different. So my number two seed is going to be Pittsburgh. 
Okay. Wow. Then we've got Buffalo at three, Tennessee at four, Baltimore, New England, and rounding out with that new extra playoff spot this year at the number seven spot, the Denver Broncos. Oh. Getting that final wild card at 10 and six. Cleveland, nine and seven. Indy, nine and seven. Uh, Chargers, Oakland, and Houston, all seven and nine on the outside looking in in the AFC. NFC, the, the Dallas Cowboys at 10 and six as the four seed. I, I guess I can just 11 go. and four. That's... Or no, I should be. How did I do that again? Mine says 11 and four. I must have. Yeah, I did the same <laughs> thing last year. Well, there's probably a game in there where Amari Cooper falls off, you know. So he pro- <laughs> probably about a probably about eleven and five. That'd probably be a good one. Just just chalk up another loss there. <laughs> so I've got the Saints at number one, 49ers number two, then Green Bay, Dallas, and then as the wild cards, five through seven, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. So I have three teams from the South. They feast on the uh Three and thirteen Carolina Panthers. Okay. All right. Playoff time. 49ers over Falcons. Then I've got Philadelphia over Green Bay. And then Tampa Bay beats Dallas at Jerry World. Tom Brady with us a little bit more magic. Then I have New Orleans over Philly. San Francisco over Tampa and then New Orleans over San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. As for the AFC, Pittsburgh over Denver. Buffalo, at long last, they get to beat New England in the playoffs. What a what a lovely time to be alive that is going to be. <laughs> then Baltimore over Tennessee. Then in the you second have Dallas round, getting beat, but you have Denver winning. No, 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 I don't. I have, oh. I have Pittsburgh over Denver. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold your horses. Pittsburgh <laughs> over Denver. Uh, so in the second round, I have Baltimore winning over Kansas City in our head. Then Buffalo falling to Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore beats Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson versus Drew Brees in the Super Bowl, which is, I feel like Baltimore and New Orleans is kind of the stereotypical choice right now but I, th- I thought about being you know just choosing the different teams in my championship game and going with the 49ers and the Steelers because that's just as likely as anything really but yeah. I'm gonna take Baltimore they win on the road all throughout the postseason to join the uh, 2011 or 2010 and 11 Packers and the 0506 Steelers as winning all their playoff games on the road and uh, I'm going to take the Ravens. And also, my number one pick in the draft is Washington. Top five draft picks, Washington, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Carolina, and the New York Jets. Uh, okay. I have. So my playoffs look like, let's see, in the AFC, I have Pittsburgh over Houston, Buffalo over New England, and Kansas City over Tennessee. And then I have San Francisco over Minnesota, Dallas over Philadelphia, and let's see, Tampa Bay over New Orleans. And then (laughs) then in the next round, in the divisional round, I've got Kansas City over Buffalo and Baltimore over Pittsburgh. 
and then Dallas over San Francisco <laughs> and Seattle. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> this is why I'm so bad because I always think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Seattle over Tampa Bay. So, and the championship week, I have Baltimore over Kansas City and Dallas over Seattle. So, my Super Bowl looks like Baltimore. And Dallas, with Dallas winning. <laughs> oh, the ch- world champion Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, last season, you know, I was able to take the Super Bowl winner, but the rest of my playoffs were pretty much garbage. So uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, I've, I'm not happy with Indy and Seattle not being in my playoffs. I think they both could potentially sneak in there uh yeah jaguars two and 14 washington two and 14 i really I just i really think the jaguars are gonna suck just terrible but I, we'll find out i have many teams very low <laughs> the i have the Bengals at two and 14 i have three and three and 13 for me they like, yeah like like Sorry, week 17, I like to play like the realism card in that. So I think I had KC as like the, I think with the tiebreakers, they were going to get the number one seed anyway. So then whoever they play week 17, either the Raiders or the Chargers, I was able to tack in another win. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, they're not going to play Mahomes. They're going to sit some guys and all that. So I I have some wins like that. Like, I think the Bengals, I think they got one of their wins on like a late season. Like, yeah, they're just sitting people type thing. I just don't think that much into it. <laughs> well, and I think way, way too much into it. And I thought about it just as much last year and I only got half the playoff teams. So, you know, it's, <laughs> there's not like there's a, there's a right way here. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add here on our season predictions? Not unless you want to go in depth on the 2005 2006 Steelers playoff run or the 2011 <laughs> uh, Packers playoff run. So, in, in essence, no. No, I, okay. I think we're all good. We have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl and the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. So, uh-huh. good luck to all out there. <laughs> yeah. That's all for today's episode. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BTBW Podcast. That is where we will be posting our weekly waiver wire ads and where you can ask us your start sick questions once the season gets going. We will be back next week with two episodes. You'll see our bonus draft episode on Monday and our week one regular season pod will be up. We haven't decided yet on Tuesday or Thursday, so keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening. Good luck with your drafts and we'll see you next week. See ya.